All right, here it is. Finally, wait years to do this, and I'm probably rustier than I care to admit, or maybe I never knew the knowledge I needed to know. Anyway, let's start out with. Oh yeah, and for the record, this is um, Kings of England from you know the earliest time all the way to uh, who was the last king of England? I guess uh, until Acts of Union seems to be um, when the when the Parliament um, kind of took central stage as a legal authority and. Scotland and Northern Ireland were thrown into, this is 1707, they were thrown into the common dominion. No longer really was it England, it was the United Kingdom. Okay, first up, Athelstan. I don't know a ton about Athelstan, and the reason being is that there's not a lot you can know about him. Um, the record is rather obscure and limited. He had he had he had, he had to deal with some Viking resistance invasions. Vikings are always invading the English. Um, he uh, his grandfather was. Um, Alfred the Great, uh, and is Alfred the Great on here? It seems like he might not be, uh, which is which is kind of stupid. I don't, I don't love this list. I guess Alfred the Great is uh, was the king of Wessex anyway. Uh, So, he, okay, the thing with Athelstan was he established the King of England as a title. He was very effective at coordinating lands and um, coordinating succession with foreign, between foreign, you know, uh, royalty and within his own house. And uh, the reason he's considered the first King of England isn't because he's the first important monarch in English history, but he's the first monarch who is no longer considered king of the Anglo-Saxons or, you know, of the House of Wessex or whatever, but he's the king of, uh, I guess, king of Wessex or, or Mercia or Northumbria, right? He's a king of um, England. And despite that important titular innovation, uh, he isn't really a strong personality in the record. Um, He's a very stable ruler, but he doesn't, but it, um, you know, like back then, rulers didn't always last that long. And he, he's, uh, he died at the age of 45 and he, he reigned for very, uh, he didn't reign for very long. Well, he reigned as king of the English for 12 years or so. And then as king of the Anglo-Saxons, he reigned for another three or four. Um, 
So, yeah. He's, uh, I don't know. Uh, he's, he's kind of boring. Um, but boring is, um, uh, important. Uh, he struggled. Hmm. I don't know. I would say, uh, I'd give him an A. He was, he, you know, he was effective where he needed to be. He, he bided enough time to complete his reign without controversy. But he did struggle with resistance from opposing uh, contenders and opposing who, who, who probably were not very um, successful in wringing out any civil war in their name. But he, he, there was, he was, had a contentious rule. I mean, he, he, Vikings are always, you know, lurking around every corner, as they had been for hundreds of years or so. Uh, as far as in interesting trivia, I don't really have a lot. I think we can move on to Edmund I, uh, who was his successor, and the second proper king of England. One thing, uh, yeah, so, you know, um, these guys are largely bureaucratic. They will, you know, send bishops out to new places and expanding the Christian um, administration, the bishoprics. In all throughout the land that they sort of nominally govern, um, but that doesn't mean that they are imposing any sort of iron fist rule. It just means that they're expanding the bureaucracy of the state or the bureaucracy of Christendom as such. Okay, so let's move on to Edmund. Edmund the first. He was a king for um, not that long, you know, about six, seven years. His sons uh, uh, were young children when he died. He was killed in a brawl, if you believe, if you can believe that, a brawl with an outlaw in Gloucester, um, a place called Puckle Church of all places. And uh, so he was. He didn't. He did. He died pretty young. And he, he, uh, I think he was young. I mean, he he had a shortish reign, and he was succeeded by Adred. Um, in terms of his own policies, Edmund, he had to accept um, setbacks against the Vikings, which was not good, and was he had to, actually he has the uh, misfortune of having to accept some of the first major setbacks against. The Vikings in the West Saxon dynasty. He dealt with when he became when he actually was turned into a king. I guess when he uh, what do they call it? Not arrived, but when he consummated. What do they call it? He's when he ascended to the throne. He um he had to, he had to you know try to quash uh quash he had to quash rebellions. And he kind of um, went around for much of his reign, sort of squashing rebellions underfoot. He went up to Scotland, where Strathclyde seemed to not, you know, take his side. The record is rather dim. We don't know for certain if they've sided with the Vikings and Strathclyde, but it seems like there's a reasonable chance that they they wanted to or did. And keep in mind, Strathclyde is a um, 
a lowland sort of kingdom that uh, emerged early in the, you know, the, the, the British Isles history. And they uh, were, you know, uh, you know, it, it, it was active in this time for certain. And it was one of the f few different governing bodies in overall Scotland, but mostly concentrated in the south, in the southern section. And they would have been um, intimately um, disdainful of, of course, you know, this new King of England, Edmund. And so Edmund I had a really tricky reign. Um, he kind of sucked. He didn't reign as long as Athelstan. He didn't really accomplish anything splendorous. Like, Athelstan really expanded the, the bureaucracy of state. Edmund kind of had to be more defensive than that. He had to um, repulse, you know, different uprisings and invasions. Um, he lost a considerable amount of land. I would give him, because he was so stringent in his ability to defend for the few years that he was king, about six years, I would say he's a B, but because he had such a short reign and died in a petty brawl, you know, like, like kind of like a, like a, like a, like a bottom feeder. I'm considering maybe a C plus. Um, we'll see. I might change. I'll give him a B minus for now. It's likely I'll change him to a C plus, depending on how he compares to the next few people. Um, the next king was his son, Adred. This guy was 926 to 955. Um, his reign was May 946 to November 955. So that's less than 10 years, not a lot better than his father, but still markedly better uh, if you really are comparing the two. Um, how well, how was the quality of his reign rather than the quantity? So there was a Benedictine reform that was popular amongst the clergy. And uh, I don't know a ton about it, but I know it ended up being successful. And uh, it sort of helped to define um, monastic world in England, monastic community in England. And it had to happen at some point, and this was essentially that point. The only difference is that um, he didn't actually assign it into existence. But he was a strong supporter of it, and it wouldn't be until Edgar, the reign of Edgar, um, which is in two, which is the next, the, the reign, two reigns next, two reigns down the pipe, and that's when the uh, Benedictine reform would sort of cement. Um, but yeah, Adred seemed to support it. I mean, like that doesn't that that is crucial in sort of the momentum. The process of building momentum, the development process, for these sorts of things, and kind of for anything. Hmm. He doesn't seem to be an especially interesting king. He uh, didn't have a surviving law code associated with him. There was no fixed capital during his reign. His capital was a court that would travel around the Anglo-Saxon territories. Most, mostly in Wessex, 
Um, and uh, Yes, sorry for the dead air. Yeah. I... So, from everything I can tell, this guy is pretty boring. Um, probably not as uh, um, risky as Edmund. Uh, I would say he's a B, and I'm going to lower Edmund to C, just because Edmund lost so much more land. I think Adrid is bo more boring than Edmund, but he's also, um, he's also luckier, and he also... Seems to have had a more peaceful rule, um, but you know, depending on your perspective, maybe they're in the same in the same vein. With Edmund being sort of a, an aggressive ruler and Hadrid being more of a passive one. Anyway, now we're gonna go to Aidwig, who I hope is not nearly as boring. Okay. The thing with Adrid is he became sick rather quickly in his reign. He fell ill, as the parlance of the literature uh, stipulates. And the uh, next one is Aidwig. Aidwig. Sounds like Hedwig, if you know that film, the Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Or whatever it's, yeah, something like that. And his brother, Edgar, would be it would succeed him. And Edgar is actually, was known as, had a moniker, and he was known as Edgar the Peaceful, which is, um, from what I can tell, a compliment. Um, Aidwig, yeah, you know, like I said before, um, Adred died trying to rescue a, his seneschal from an outlaw, and he brawled and was murdered. And so Aidwig was had the right of inheritance, a right of succession, and he succeeded. So, he, uh, his reign was um, very short. Edwig was a really measly ruler. Probably the worst we've gone to gone with this so far. In fact, I will give him a D. He um he just kind of he I mean he had really short reign and you know hypothetically if he had more time on his hands he could have done he could have been okay. He died at nineteen, um so it's kind of harsh to judge someone who he may or may not have had amazing potential and whatever fate d d decides you know this. Incredible potential, amazing as it were, um, was just wasted by uh, political conditions that were emerging around the time of his accession. But all told, you know, this isn't a charity show. I'm going to just give him a D because he seems like he didn't he did it more of a disservice. I guess he, he I guess those three years he he reigned were 
time between uh, where, where a buffer transitional period between Idrid and Edgar, and Edgar is a pretty good king. So in that sense, it, he was warming the seat for Ed, Edgar. So maybe that has merit. But um, so I won't give him an F because it just he was very unlucky. Um, okay, up next is Edgar the Peaceful. Yeah, this guy is also very obscure in the record. Not a lot is known about Edgar of the Peaceful. Um, remember, we're talking about the 10th century here. It's it's uh, it, people didn't write books, you know, like they do now. They didn't, no one wrote pot boilers back then. Everyone, if you were writing a book, you were, it was commissioned, and the book had to be protected, and um, the ink had to be archival on on the parchment, and you're probably using a quill or some kind of stylus. So everything was, you know, kind of uh, high, high octane um, letters back then. And if you did have the privilege of writing a book, a chronicle, you would have to be under like kind of top security because no one, you, you didn't want anyone stealing the book. No, would you? So, you know, there's just the, the likelihood that there's always going to be money in the coffers for such a project is not guaranteed. Uh, still, we do know a little bit of something about Edgar the Peaceful. He helps with the Benedictine uh, um, um, establishment and in, in England. And during his reigns, he lucked out and he didn't have to deal with too many Viking invasions. Hmm. Sorry, I'm like I'm trying to find any kind of information. <laughs> There's not a lot of information on on him. Seems like the uh, the elderman um, uh, sort of uh, position as a as a noble as a nobleman is replaced by a position called a reeve. Uh, again, there was no fixed capital during this period. Uh, the court would travel throughout Wessex and would um, move, or well, they would. I guess they moved to different estates, but they just it wasn't like they're all in Westminster, you know. Uh, He has some somewhat of a legal code was established by him. Something called the Hundred Ordinance. He was he was very in, interested in ensuring the property laws were enforced, pre-existing property laws. And he had, yes, and he had his own coinage. I don't know what to say. I, very boring ruler, but he was never invaded by Vikings. That's kind of the best thing you can say about him. But sort of uninteresting. I will give him a B, because he's boring, but effective. Okay, Athelred the Unready.
This guy has a funny name. And of course, he lost everything to the Vikings. His reign was kind of a shit show. Um, how long did he last? Two years. Uh, and basically uh, fumbled the Kingdom of England. Gave it up to the Vikings. And in this case, it was Finn. Uh, fourth beer. Adlerud Yenredi gets an F. He is a, a true loser. Uh, and the funny thing was is that some of these other rulers, you know, they were less lucky than Athelred. So you'd think they might have been worse characters. Um, but then, so maybe Athelred could have fumbled even worse and lost even more. But losing the King of England is about as bad as it gets uh, for a King of England. <sighs> yeah, he, um, he, his name was supposed to be a pun. The unready means his name is supposed to mean the well prepared in you know old English, and uh, unready is it was a joke that he was not prepared. He was unready, uh, and that's the origin sort of of his moniker. Yeah, and he was, you know, he was considered like, you know, a, a decent, you know, looking guy. He didn't look like a troll or a hunchback, but he just he just fumbled the king, the kingdom. Anyway, so I guess we have to go to Sven Bjork, um, Forkbeard, as dastardly as that sounds. Um, and he ruled for he already ran Den Denmark. And he was he ran the Kingdom of England for five weeks in December of 1013 until he died. So what will be interesting about him is finding out how he died. And it took him a long time to um, become the first Danish King of England, and he did get it, but for barely five weeks. Which when you think, when you reflect upon it, five weeks is about, you know... I mean, I don't know, that's like, that's basically a blink of an eye, isn't it? You know, for like a middle-aged man, like that's really nothing. You know, for a kid, okay, that might be a long time, five weeks. But for like a, a mature man, five weeks is like, it's like a technicality. Um, so really, he almost like wasn't king at all. He's just, if anything, he was just, a, you know, what you'd think he would be, a barbarian responsible for the overthrow. Of. And he, I don't even, I think he was Christian, so I can't call him barbarian, I suppose. But he was an outsider, responsible, a foreigner, responsible for the overthrow of the the de jure king of England, imposed himself on the on said throne, and subsequently lost it in short time. Hmm. Not really what you consider a role model, but remarkable nonetheless. So, okay, well, he, he, I guess he, I guess the, the sources are saying he was a pagan. So, there it is. There you have it. Um, Harold Chris, Harold Bluetooth, who, like, was associated with him, 
was a Christian, I think, but I guess he wasn't. Uh, that's typically how the Viking kings were in this time. Is like some were Christian, some weren't. wasn't very consolidated. And no one knows why he was killed. They theorize that he died after falling off a horse. But no one really knows why he died. And as you can imagine, he was probably just murdered because no one wanted that guy on the throne. Uh, <laughs> he was you know, a barbarian foreigner who took, who took the throne. <laughs> and after, after a pretty solid tradition of having locals rule was established. So... Pretty, actually pretty boring stuff. I'd give him an F. He's he's even worse than Aethelred the Unready, and I didn't even expect him to be, because he has a pretty interesting, he has a pretty badass name, Forkbeard. Up next is another man with a badass beard, who I imagine will not be very impressive, Edmund Ironside. And this guy ruled for a slightly more time than Sven Bjorkbeard. He ruled for several months, from April to November of 1016. And he uh, was also ruined by a Danish invader. But this time, that invader was incredibly great. It was Canute the Great. And he fought five battles against the Danes, Edmund did. But then it culminated in his defeat in 18 October, the Battle of Assendun. And he agreed to divide away the kingdom, where he would take Wessex, and Canute would take the rest of the country. But uh, Edmund mysteriously died, like at the end of the next month. And his two sons, Edward and Edmund, um, and he, were exiled by Canute. So this guy is just another, you know, sickly loser who um, seems to get poisoned, you know, after he has to compromise with an, a, a Danish outlander. Uh, okay, I'll give him an F. A lot of these guys are just not, you know, they're just they're not in the right era. To, <laughs> they're only they're really only kings by technicality. I guess they, I guess they do kind of min maintain a semblance of aristocracy and tradition and piety but it's just it's like it's so embarrassing uh canute the great and it's no wonder they're not household names you know these obscure anglo-saxon fucktarts really and i like the anglo-saxons a lot but you can tell that everything with them is just an immense struggle they have, they have no real um system for control they just sort of all kind of preying on each other's failure on their on their like you know their 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 predecessor's failure so canute the great i from what i remember canute the great had a pretty lengthy rule even of england but he was also like like uh forkbeard or whatever he was also king of norway and denmark and but the difference was that canute lasted in england um for a while maybe 20 years or something and he, 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 he forged an empire called the, that has been dubbed the North Sea Empire, which is pretty damn cool. Um, and it's the only real time that I can think of where that something like that has actually existed. Um, I guess nowadays it wouldn't have to exist and kind of de facto does because mercantilism has been has destroyed itself as a policy. And free market capitalism has sort of opened up trade 
in ways that it probably wouldn't have been open to back then or even 200 years ago. So I guess I guess that was the only time that those three empires were connected in a significant way, in a, maybe until now. But I know for a fact that there's also times in the early modern period and probably even in the high Middle Ages when the you know the Hanseatic League was taking care of business anyway. So but it is fun to think about that this North Sea Empire forged by Canute was like sort of a flash in the pan of like of like of like liberality and 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 mark and you know and capitalism and sort of like um you know uh a light in the dark if you will. But I I, I sense that it was probably more of the same in many respects. Just, you know, twice as cosmopolitan and less less um infighting amongst the germanic types um and i, and I am counting the anglo-saxons as germanic as you should because while the britons aren't anglo-saxons emphatically are germanic uh, in, in pedigree and in and in their uh the linguistic quality of their tongue anyway uh okay so and he uh, ruled in from Trondheim and Knut. Um, he was Christian. I think he was Christian. And despite being not Anglo-Saxon, he is considered to be, by Norman Cantor, considered to be the most effective Anglo-Saxon king. Or the effective king in Anglo-Saxon history. Which tells you everything about the Anglo-Saxons, right? They just They just never really... Um, could keep their foot on the ball. Dane Geld. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say about Canute. I guess there's a lot to learn about him. He's a very important figure. Hmm, I'll give him an S. I mean, he's just... You know, it's so fascinating, so ma uh, majestic, uh, and at the same time, it was just you know this crass sort of outsider. Um, tells you a lot about that about that early dynasty in England, uh, and he was considered you know um, he issued law codes. He was regarded as wise. He was a pacific ruler. Um, he kind of had it all, didn't he? At that point, it, compared to everyone else, he, he even if he didn't have it all, he sure seemed like he would. Because no one else could really hold a candle to him. Anyway, um, Harold Harefoot. Okay, I don't know. This must be Canute's son of Harold the First of England. I didn't know there was a Harold of England. I guess there's two total. Um. So let's just rush the one thirty. Okay, let me let me start charging my computer again. How much time? Thirty-one minutes. Okay, okay. we need to push through this. Um, I could do it. I might need coffee, but I could do it. Um, he ruled five years. His brother took um, 
The Archbishop of Canterbury did not want to crown him king, but eventually he relented. Um, or he was proclaimed king by other means. Um, Harthnut took over after him after five years.
المدينه بيزنس Yeah, 
great amount of wealth. Blah, blah, of course he did. There was a crisis. Um, Archbishop of Canterbury. Anyway, you know, uh, for the sake of time, we won't get into it. There's an ecclesiastical crisis that had to do had to do with Harold Godwinson having a different opinion and different family members and wanting to be in different roles. And it um it it strained relations with the Pope somewhat. It's all just sort of like you know predictable. Um, but it, I think the 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 the, the overriding fact the uh, signal is that um the um, politics are getting more complicated. Even in even in the midst of his successful and long reign, in his later reign, he had to restructure the earldoms to prevent the Godwins from becoming dominant. The Godwins were just like obsessed with him, and the he had more money than the earldoms, but he was his lands were not as consolidated as you would ex might expect, and so the earldoms, the earls of England, had a lot more um, leverage. If they bounded to bounded up together, so Edward the Confessor had to deal with a lot of internal strife and you know civ risks of civil war. I mean, he was basically you know it was a Cold War civil war his entire rule, or for a large part of it, uh, you know for the majority of it. I would say he is a, he is sort of like an inversion of Canute. I would give him an S. I think he's um, properly amazing. But I don't know if um, he's my favorite king of England. He's a little boring, but uh, but what he had to deal with was kind of insane, and um, he he was the only one to really handle it for you know twenty two years. Uh, the amount of like you know competition for his for his position was just sort of like ridiculous. Um, And of course, he he became ale, and and let finally let Harold succeed to the throne, with the worst possible timing for Harold, because when Harold, like I said, became king, had to go fight these incredible battles, you know, high stakes battles, the duels of the fates, right? Wins one, which is rather starkly impressive, but then he loses the other one that could have been probably even more important one to win. And then he just kind of throws everything away for him, for his family, for his whole fucking house of Wessex is permanently destroyed. So here's Harold Godwinson. I would give him a D because while he is like an embarrassment to England, he also um, prevented the Norwegians from taking it. So Sort of transformed into a wise, you know, 
already expensive. Even if the even if the king has time, sure you amazing. But his only cut could go continue to do that. In fact, he was probably being extremely embarrassed. Now his some of his losses was now glory equal to them exterior freedom impact actual power. So I've said years or this or the relationship between the same and this other transferability the North England trans and so these are friends okay I don't the nice there Anyway, we'll be missing. We have seconds. Now, I'll pause. And we'll do part two in the I think that is all. I'll be more truthful. Because I am.